Tennessee adds to its class in 2024 with a commitment of four-star edge Kellen Lindstrom. Who is Kellen Lindstrom, and what will he bring to the Tennessee Volunteers? What's that class look like now? All that and more here on your Monday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Monday edition of Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys being here with us today. And if you're watching on YouTube, I am uh, doing this show from a hotel room. I've been down in Athens, Georgia all weekend long covering the University of Tennessee uh, baseball team. But we're talking football and everything else here on a Monday Locked On Balls. It is your team every single day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out every day. Appreciate you guys and everything you bring to the show. This episode is... It is brought to you in part by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to go ahead and get started. So Tennessee picked up a new commit, a football commit for the class of 2024. Uh, we're going to discuss that in segment number one. And then in segments two, Tennessee had a player go to the transfer portal uh, for Tennessee basketball. And so that makes that number situation much more clear now. Uh, moving on into the next phase of the offseason, we'll get into that of BJ Edwards' departure. And then in segment number three, we're going to revisit some of the positional unit rankings from on three Jesse Simonton and discuss kind of where he thinks Tennessee's running backs and Tennessee's wide receivers are. That is what you have to look forward to here on a Monday Locked On Balls. And don't forget, uh, get in your Twitter Tuesday questions, uh, any comments, concerns, uh, whatever you guys have on Tennessee football, on Tennessee basketball, on Tennessee recruiting, all that and more. You can send them in for a little Twitter Tuesday. And that is coming up on tomorrow's show. <clears throat> All right, so Kellen Lindstrom. Who is Kellen Lindstrom? Well, he is six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. He is from Springfield, Missouri, and Tennessee's kind of created a nice little pipeline in Missouri. It, the, the joke was thrown around a couple of weeks ago: Will Missouri or Tennessee have more highly rated in-state prospects uh, from Missouri for the class of twenty twenty four? when it's all said and done, or in the coming classes, because you remember Shandavion Bradley, uh, one of the better players in the state of Missouri for the class of 2023. Tennessee got him, and now they're getting Kellen Lindstrom as well. Kellen Lindstrom, according to the On3 industry rankings, he is a four-star prospect, the 233rd overall player in the country, the number 18 edge, and the seventh-ranked player from the state of Missouri. What this came down to essentially was Tennessee and Oklahoma. Um, his junior tape got him swirling a little bit. He picked up offers from Alabama, Notre Dame. I think Georgia was in there. But when it when push came to shove, it came down between Tennessee and Oklahoma. And Kellen Lindstrom chose uh, the Volunteers. He is at six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. He plays the edge position. Had a really really nice junior year, and I think that he's about to explode overall uh, and uh, you know be a really really nice player here in his senior season. So. Uh, what's this mean for the University of Tennessee? Well, if you look over the uh, impact analysis from our guy Matt Ray, colleague of mine over at VolQuest.com, chance to talk with Charles Power, who is the uh, director of scouting and rankings for on three, and this is what he had to say. Kellen Lindstrom is a high-energy, disruptive player on the defensive front. He was originally ranked as a defensive lineman for us. We moved him to edge in our latest ranking updates. He is inside the on 300, and we really think highly of him. 
We really liked his junior video when we were going through and working on the rankings and uh, when, when we were evaluating him. I think the first thing that jumps out is the play speed and his ability to chase down plays and pursuits. When you look at Lindstrom, his strength right now is a pursuit defender against the run. He gets into space and has the speed to track down ball carriers from sideline to sideline and really plays with a high energy level. He gets off blocks and he is physical. I think he is further along as a run defender right now. So I think the biggest area of improvement and what we're looking forward to seeing him fill out over this game over the next couple of years is um, his skill set as a pass rusher. Adding more nuance to his game as a pass rusher is where you're looking for him to take that next step. But I think there is a whole lot uh, to like, especially. Uh, he goes on to say that I think when you look at how Tennessee has recruited that position, the edge position, I've said this for the past couple of years. I think Tennessee's done a really nice job upgrading and adding high-end edge prospects. Um, I think Kellen Lindstrom probably adds a dimension that is a little bit different uh, than that and what Tennessee has gotten so far. They have done really well with pass rushers and guys that can add can get after the quarterback. And I think Lindstrom adds some run-defending ability with his ability to take on blocks, win at the point of the attack, and win pursuit. Again, that is Charles Power. He is the uh, scouting director, rankings director over at On3, and that's what he had to say about Tennessee's new commits, Kellen Lindstrom, that came down uh, the, the uh, came down the uh, commitment order on a Friday night around 7 or um, 8 o'clock Eastern time. So what does this mean for Tennessee in the class of 2024? If you look at the On3 industry rankings, Tennessee now sits ninth, still a top 10 class, and now has 11 commits overall. Um, if you want to look and see kind of who uh, is in that top 10 right now for the industry rankings over at On3, Georgia's at one, Ohio State is at two, Alabama is at three, Florida's at four, Michigan's at five, South Carolina is at six, Florida State is at seven, Notre Dame is at eight, Tennessee is at ninth, and LSU uh, comes in 10th. This is the 11th commit for the University of Tennessee for the class of 2024. Uh, Tennessee now has six four-stars a part of this class. And, of course, Kellen Lindstrom um, is one of those uh, guys that's, uh, that's in there. But uh, he joins a group of four-stars with quarterback Jake Merklinger, four-star tight end Jonathan Eccles, four-star cornerback Caleb Beasley, four-star wide receiver J.J. Harrell. Of course, Kellen Lindstrom's in there. And then, of course, it's um, four-star safety from Cleveland High or Bradley Central High School, Marcus Gorey. The three-star prospects who are in this class, and a couple of these guys have committed here lately. Uh, Dries Farouk, three-star safety from St. Francis Academy. The offensive tackle, Gage Ginther from the state of Colorado. Uh, Carson Gentle from Macaulay High School, a defensive lineman here on in the in-state. Jesse Perry, an offensive lineman from Middle Tennessee Christian School. He is a three-star offensive tackle. And then Jeremiah Hurd, who eventually we think will end up on the offensive side of the football, probably playing tackle. But for right now, Tennessee's just kind of recruited him as a lineman, and they'll just kind of see and, and progress uh, when he gets on campus. Much like Trevor Duncan of Knoxville Catholic, uh, they're going to have to see, you know, when he gets on campus here in June, he was not an early enrollee, but they recruited him as a lineman. They're recruiting Jeremiah's hurt as well as a lineman, but uh, six foot eight, 293 pounds and a basketball player, a guy that's played football for just one year. The sky is the limit for Jeremiah's herd. He's the lowest-ranked prospect in this class, but I think that's just because he's never played football before, but um, that will likely change you know, here pretty soon. So a pretty good start to the weekend for Tennessee. Tennessee football picked up the commits of uh, Kellen Lindstrom. It was Tennessee over – it was uh, 
It was Tennessee over Oklahoma in that one, even though he had offers from some of the other big-time schools around the SEC as well. Uh, let's see what he had to say when speaking with Austin Price over at VolQuest and kind of why he chose Tennessee. He said he got down to two schools this past month in Oklahoma and Tennessee. The visit to Tennessee in early April really set it off to where Tennessee felt like home for me. It's a town itself. Knoxville's a very welcoming place. It felt like big. It felt like a big Springfield, which is his hometown. It felt like a home away from home, really. It felt like I could have lived there without football. The staff has been more than gracious, and Coach Hopple has been great. He goes on to say, Coach Hopple's been in contact with me probably every other week. Um, he has been very involved in this recruiting process with FaceTime calls. I love that part of it. Uh, when we were on a visit, he was the he was with us nonstop the entire day. He had us over to his house for dinner with a handful of other recruits, and no matter what day it was, he was always with us. Um, and obviously, you know, Lindstrom has potential and and goals to get in the National Football League, just like any uh, you know four star prospect at this level, and it really any prospect that comes into plays at this level. Anyway, he said. I'm very excited to get to work with Rodney Gardner, with Josh Hype on that defensive staff. He is a great coach. Speaking of Rodney Gardner specifically, and knows what he is doing. He was there when we were at practice, and I love how he coaches. He is strict and stern. He does things the old way, uh, but he is very informative. He isn't going to single out a guy if someone's having a bad day. He's going to require the best out of you. And so Tennessee picks up a commit from 2024 edge, Kellen Lindstrom. Six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds from Springfield, Missouri, and uh, it's a good haul for the University of Tennessee. And now it's a commit number eleven heading into the crucial months, the end of May when they have that uh, Memorial Day, you know, recruiting events, and then you get into official visits in June, and then you start seeing some guys come off the board in June and July. It's a big time, a uh, summer for recruiting now, and we'll see exactly. Uh, what that looks like for the University of Tennessee. Hey, when we come back, Tennessee basketball finally had a player enter the transfer portal. Those numbers look a little bit more clear. Uh, that is coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. But hey, uh, proud sponsor of the show, that is FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000. $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What can you expect at FanDuel? Well, great promotions every single day. It is on a safe and secure app, and you get paid instantly as well. So if you go out and, and bet on the NBA playoffs with no sweat first bet, and you come back on the winning side, you don't have to wait for a couple of days or a couple of weeks to get your payout. No, it is instantly safe and secure on that app. There's no better place than all to bet on all your playoff action than over to America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, it's official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into it. This is your Monday edition of Locked on Vols. I am your host, Eric Kane. Uh, shout out everydayers. We'll be having a little Twitter Tuesday action, mailbag edition of the show. Uh, that's what you had to look forward to coming up on Tuesday's Locked on Ball. So send in those questions, those comments, uh, those concerns, and uh, we'll answer those questions on tomorrow's show. If you're watching on YouTube, as you can see, I'm in a hotel room. I'm in Athens, Georgia, covering Tennessee baseball this weekend. So um, audio side, you can't see anything, but I am a, a video side. I'm definitely in a hotel room. So I'm not in my normal surroundings, not in my normal studio, kind of have my road kit right now. So uh, it's a little, uh, little hectic trying to get everything set up, but I think it's working. Um, can't fix ugly. My face is still there, but I, I think from a, a visual and audio standpoint, I think this is uh, 
my my mic wants to clip me as I say that, which is just hilarious. Again, anytime you're away from your home setup uh, and and, and, th- and you're on the road and everything, it's it's a little nerve wracking because um, equipment you don't use an awful lot of time and all that good stuff. But nonetheless, uh, we are here to go. Um, Tennessee basketball. Big question the last couple of weeks was, you know, what's Tennessee going to do in terms of uh, figuring out the numbers? Tennessee was very active in the transfer portal towards the end of that cycle, bringing in uh, three different guys and Chris Levlin, a forward from Harvard, uh, Jordan Ganey, a shooting guard from USC Upstate, and Dalton Connect, the shooting guard, of course, from Northern Colorado. But, you know, with that, it meant that Tennessee was one over the scholarship limit. And, of course, that's taking into account that Julian Phillips isn't returning, Josiah Jordan James is returning. We knew Olivier Cumbon, who Russ Plavsic wasn't, and Santiago Vesby, of course, is coming back. So Tennessee had to figure out, you know, what is it going to do numbers-wise? And it was always going to be someone was going to enter the transfer portal. We had an idea that it would probably be B.J. Edwards, but it wasn't official until Friday afternoon as well. B.J. Edwards announced that he is entering the NCAA transfer portal, and that brings Tennessee's uh, roster limit down to 13 where they needed to be for the 2023-2024 season. Um, you know, for Edwards, he, he didn't play an awful lot. Um, you know, he's uh, a, a local guy, played at Knox Catholic, and that's always exciting whenever the University of Tennessee takes a chance on someone locally. Uh, here with the transfer portal era, though, if they don't see the playing time that they uh, envision, they can hit that portal and, and go off and, and, you know, see some some brighter days ahead. Of course, we've seen that, you know, with some other local prospects here around the area. But, you know, B.J. Edwards coming in from Knoxville Catholic, he didn't play an awful lot as a true freshman. He appeared in 14 games. He played a total of 60 minutes. He averaged 4.3 points per game, totaling 17 points, eight rebounds, six assists with five turnovers. Again, that's his combined stat line for his freshman season. Um, After the season ended, he was asked about, um, you know, his playing time or lack thereof down the stretch, especially when Tennessee was out with, with was without Zakai Ziegler. He said, he said, I felt I could have made a difference in some moments. Um, I had the chance, I had the opportunities, but I let it slip away. I feel like in some games I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I will be soon. And that's what BG Edwards kind of said after, you know, Tennessee fell out of the uh, Sweet 16 and the NCAA tournaments. And Tennessee played that tournament. Tennessee played the SEC tournament. Tennessee played the last couple of games of the regular season without Zakai Ziegler, point guard, who, um, you know, tore his ACL in a win over, uh, gosh, who was that? Was that Arkansas? Yeah, it was Arkansas. And Tennessee went on to, you know, beat the brains out of Arkansas without, without Zakai Ziegler. But nonetheless, it is BJ Edwards who is entering the transfer portal. He is the second player to actually enter the transfer portal. If you remember, Olivier Kumwa entered the transfer portal, but he is not going to play in college. The goal for him, as always, was to play professionally. That was just giving him another option, if you will. So, um, you know, nonetheless, BJ Edwards, you would have liked to have seen him materialize. You would have liked to have seen it work out for BJ Edwards here at the University of Tennessee. But it's almost like when Zakai got hurt and you didn't see him play whatsoever, it's like the writing was kind of already on the wall, right? Um, it's unfortunate. It, it kind of sucks. But it, it was a little weird, too, because he was getting a little PT. He was getting a little playing time when Zakai was still healthy. So it, it didn't really make sense from that perspective. And then it's like when Zakai got hurt, you didn't see B.J. Edwards play whatsoever. You had a combination of uh, Santiago Vescovi, of Josiah Jordan-James, of 
Um, you know, Tyreek Key and some of those guys just kind of handle the ball um, in the absence of Zakai. But no B.J. Edwards. He wasn't put in there to uh, play. He was a lot defensively, and it was crunch time in the season. Don't get me wrong. It was at the end of the regular season. It was in the SEC tournament play and the NCAA tournament play. So um, I guess from that perspective, I understand it. But, you know, the rotting was kind of on the wall already. Um, so, you know, best of luck to B.J. Edwards. I'm really intrigued to see what he's going to make of his career. Where is he, where is he going to go now? Uh, Tennessee, like I said, brings in Chris Ledlam, a forward from Harvard, bringing in Jordan Ganey, a shooting guard from USC Upstates, and a shooting guard from Northern Colorado. That is Dalton Connect. You pair that with Santiago Vesca be coming back now, and that might be a better overall collection of players, not talent-wise, but in terms of if you want to get some more wins, um, that might be a better overall collection of players than the one that you had last year, which is kind of hard to imagine, kind of hard to say. I think you have more shooters on this roster, and you know Tennessee, which finished in the two hundreds in terms of in terms of three point shooting percentage and you know field goal percentage and all that type of stuff. Uh, you could really use an offensive bolt, no matter what, heading into the new year. So uh, we'll see if this collection of guys can find them a little bit more. This collection of guys can you know shoot from the field and maybe shoot from downtown a little bit more because Tennessee was just not consistent whatsoever on the offensive end. They get ranked like 50 or 60-something in offensive efficiency percentage. But Tennessee, of course, was number one in defensive efficiency um, you know, throughout the season. And Rick Barnes' better teams, you know, deeper teams, postseason teams, they've had better offensive efficiency numbers than defensive efficiency numbers. It might not have been that big of a difference, but, you know, the Grant and Admiral team, that was better. Of course, the Kevin Durant team, that was much better. Um, but there's no, you know, Kevin Durant and there's no, you know, Grant Williams just laying around to go out there and play, right? Um, those were special players. Are there going to be any special players on this team right now? We'll find out, but it's up to player development and all that. And I just think Tennessee needs some more offense uh, in the worst way. So, again, best of luck to B.J. Edwards, who is uh, entering the transfer portal from Tennessee, appearing in 14, 14 games for the Volunteers, averaging fourteen, averaging 4.3 points per game, totaling 17 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and 5 turnovers. Hey, when we come back to conclude this episode of Locked on Vols, uh, we will take a look at the latest unit rankings from Jesse Simonson. What does he think about the Tennessee Volunteers wide receiver room and running back room? That and a whole lot more coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. All right, guys, we've got a final segment left here of this Monday edition of Lockdown Balls. Shout out every dayers. You guys are incredible. And uh, again, uh, any questions you guys may have, Tennessee football, recruiting, basketball, baseball, any questions you guys want to ask me, you just give me a holler for a little Twitter Tuesday mailbag edition of the show. That is coming up tomorrow. All right. So Jesse Simonson over at On3, he put out some, some offseason content. And so today, or you know, recently, he put out his receiver unit rankings and his running back unit rankings for uh, the, uh, the 2023 season or kind of entering the 2023 season. And you know, this comes after he put out his quarterback unit rankings, if you remember. Uh, Tennessee's quarterback unit rankings were in the best of the rest category, uh, which means they kind of fell out of the top five, but he thinks high praise of uh, Nico Iamaliava, the true freshman, of course, Joe Milton being the one-two punch for Tennessee quarterbacks and, and thinking that they're one of the better duos uh, in college football. Uh, Tennessee head coaching rankings uh, for the NCAA and the SEC. Jesse Simonson ranked Josh Hopple as the 14th best head coach in college football right now the fourth best coach from the SEC. 
And so that is already some stuff that Jesse's done this offseason. So let's take a look at the rec- the uh, the unit rankings. And again, remember for unit rankings, um, this does not mean that it is uh, like the, the best of the best. It's about the room, the collective room overall. And, and so I've said this countless times, and especially after you know spring practice and, and really last year, Tennessee doesn't have one star at the running back position. I think it could in Jalen Wright if he continues to move up and, and take the carries that he has earned, in my opinion. But, you know, Jabari Small is a solid player. Jalen Wright's a solid player. You know, Dylan Sampson, you saw some flashes as a true freshman. We're going to see a little bit of Cam Selden this year as well. Deshaun Bishop's good spring. It just adds to the depth and, and, and you know, the, uh, the, the good feelings about that room that you have. It is a very well-rounded room for position coach Jerry Mack. And so... When I think about one of the best rooms in the SEC, running back rooms, I think of Tennessee. I would imagine that that's probably, from a depth perspective, one of the better rooms um, you know, around, around college football. Jesse Simonton has his unit rankings of the running back rooms, and Tennessee is an honorable mention, does not crack his top 10, um, which I, I, w- I would disagree with. Number one, let's kind of go through these a little bit. Number one is Michigan. You have Blake Corum and, and Donovan uh, Edwards. And it's kind of hard to argue right there. So I would say Michigan's up there. Alabama, it might rival Tennessee in terms of having the deepest running back room. But the quality of players, of course, from a recruiting perspective, from a star's perspective, and um, you know they've obviously gotten a little bit of run as well, no pun intended. Uh, that That's a pretty solid room as well with um, you know Chase McCl- uh, McClellan, Justin Haynes, Justice Haynes, Roy Dale Williams. Uh, Jam Miller, Richard Young is being added to that mix as well. So Alabama being in the top five makes a little bit of sense. Penn State's at number three. Ohio State is at number four. Ole Miss is at number five. Now, Quinshawn Junkins is probably the best running back in the SEC. Him and Raheem Sanders at Arkansas. I get all that. Um, I'm not going to act like I know, I'm an expert on Ole Miss's running back room because I'm not. But, you know, what's the depth behind them? Why is Ole Miss rank so high in these rankings when they just have one star in Quinshawn Judkins. Um, he ran for over 1,500 yards last season. He forced more missed tackles in 2022 than any running back in the country, not named Bijan Robinson, who was a top 10 pick. Um, they lost Zach Evans, of course, who went to the NFL draft. Uh, you bring back U- Ulysses Bentley. Uh, he had some injuries last season as well, but he'll be a depth option. I just think Ole Miss should be a little bit lower on this this pecking order because again you have one star when you talk about unit rankings you want quality depth there's Arkansas you bring back Raheem Sanders who's one of the better running backs in all of all of college uh, football uh, you also have AJ Green and Rashad Dub- Dublin I can't even say his name um, so Arkansas needs to be in this Georgia of course uh, you lost Kenny McIntosh but you bring back K- Kendall Milton Dejon Edwards uh, Branson Robinson so I get that one, of course. Florida State's in this, Oregon's in this. And then you have Auburn, who cracked the top 10 in terms of being one of the better running back unit groups in America. That's what he says about Auburn. Hugh Freeze isn't sure who Auburn's quarterback's going to be this fall, but the Tigers, which will allow a much improved offensive line this season, um, has three tailbacks who all average over six yards per carry in 2022. And Jarquez Hunter, Demari. Alston and South Florida transfer Brian Battle, who very quietly had close to 1,200 yards last season. Okay, again, I get all that, but you know Tennessee led the nation in rushing touchdowns. Tennessee was the only team in the country that averaged over 300 yards passing and 200 yards rushing. 
you bring back your entire running back group and you're adding to it. Tennessee 100% should be in the top 10 for this running back unit rankings um, over the on three for Jesse Simonson, in my opinion. Uh, that is, again, to say that there's not a star on this team. There's not a star in that group. Uh, Jalen Wright, I think, could be, but he hasn't had as many opportunities. Jabari Small is solid. Wright is solid. Um, I think Dylan Sampson is going to be solid. I think Cam Cam uh, um, Cam Selden has a chance to do something special. So I thought that was a little interesting. We always talk about how you feel good about the running back room and where you would maybe compare those to teams around the SEC and to teams around the country. And, um, you know, it gets an honorable mention, so it's getting a little bit of love, but it does not crack the top 10 for Jesse Simonson in this unit's um, rankings breakdown. Now, what about the wide receivers? Jesse Simonson also did that, and he gives Tennessee a little bit more love in terms of the collection of wide receivers of uh, Tennessee employees for the SEC and, of course, for college football. Um, if you look at the rankings, the unit rankings for wide receivers, Ohio State is at the top, and that's not hard to imagine because you have Marvin Harrison coming back and, um, uh, you know, Carnell Tate's a guy that Tennessee is very familiar with in the recruiting ranks and some other guys that uh, have some depth options there. Texas is up there. They have some good wide receivers. LSU arguably loses its best wide receiver, but they come in at number three. Why? Well, because Malik Neighbors, who led the SEC in rece- receiving last year, he comes back, and there's some a, a lot of guys behind him as well. Washington is in this mix. USC is in this mix, even though they lost Jordan Addison. Georgia is in this mix which is a little interesting because I wouldn't think that Georgia has um, a lot of wide receivers that you want to boast about, right? This is what he says about Georgia. The back-to-back reigning national champions look to have their best wide receiving group of the Kirby Smart era at Georgia. The Bulldogs returned the underrated duo of Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, which I understand Tennessee knows those guys. They're pretty good players. Uh, plus should have a healthy game breaker in Arian Smith to start the season. He was injured last year. Georgia added the leading receiver in, in the SEC uh, last season with transfer Dominic Lovitz. Okay, I, I understand that one. And the Bulldogs are also poaching Mississippi State's number one wideout and Raw Raw Thomas. If he can stay out of legal trouble, then sure. So I guess after reading that, I kind of talked myself into it. Um, you know, Raw Raw Thomas, good player. Uh, Dominic Lovitz, good player. I know Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saints, you know, good players in that system. So I guess I can buy into that now, but, you know, it doesn't really scream to me that, you know, Georgia's a team that's going to boast a whole lot of offensive talent at the skill position. <clears throat> and then finally, we'll go to Tennessee, who's number seven in front of Texas A&M, Arizona, and Alabama. Uh, Jesse Simonton believes Tennessee's wide receiver group ranks seventh in the nation. This is what he says. The Vols lost their best two wideouts from the best passing attack in the country last season, but the receiver room remains quite talented with second-year system guys like Brew McCoy, a former five-star transfer from USC, and sophomore speedster Squirrel White. The offseason addition of Oregon's Dante Thornton could be one of a home-run additions from the transfer portal. The Vols have nice depth options, too, in Romel Keaton, who will be a starter, um, and a couple of redshirt freshmen like Chad's Nimrod and Caleb Webb. I would agree with all that. I think Dante Thornton has the potential to be one of the biggest transfer portal additions, uh, not named a quarterback and in, in not in all the SEC and in college football. I think that he's going to be really, really good in the slot. I think Squirrel White's going to play a little bit as well. And I think Ramel Keaton and Brew McCoy are going to be two guys on the outside. And, you know, you have four wide receivers. You only play three, especially in the Tennessee offense. Football has a way of working itself out. So if there's an injury here and an injury there, 
whatever the case, I think all the going to get their opportunities. And Ramel Keaton is certainly not just a depth option. He's going to be a starter for this team. So I would agree with Jesse. I think that uh, Tennessee's wide receiver group um, would be a top 10 uh, just because of the depth options they have. And uh, But I do think the running backs, without a doubt, that, that group uh, should be in the top 10 and should not just be an honorable mention because there's not one star, but there's a really nice collection of talent for the University of Tennessee in that running back room. All right. Obviously, my audio has just been popping all over the place here today. Let's Sounds like a good sign that we're going to call it quits here for a Monday. I'll be back uh, in my home studio to record Tuesday's show and the rest of the week. So really, really looking forward to that. Um, but in order for that to happen, you guys need to send in your questions. Twitter Tuesday, mailbag edition of the show. Send me in your questions, your comments, your concerns, whatever you guys have, at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here, for listening, for watching um, here this Monday edition of the show. Every day as you guys make this show go. Can't thank you enough. And uh, let's do it again tomorrow. Hey, this is Locked on Balls. <laughs>